Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Welcome back to the Carpenter Podcast. My name is Dan Roots and I'm reunited with Matt Kendrick. Matt, how are you, mate? It's been a while. It has. I've just been thinking when the last time I saw you. It's probably the last time I saw you was the, the last time we lost to one of the greedy six, wasn't it? Which was uh, yeah, a couple probably. of weeks ago now. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be kicked. We're going to be we're going to be chased out of town like those, lot, aren't we? If we keep being these jinxes with these results. But uh, yeah, nice to see you, mate. It's, it's, it's good oh, to boy. see your friendly face. Yeah, good to see your big bald head. Um, just before we started this, we're like, oh, we'll talk about the Super League. We'll brush over a little bit. First thirty seconds, you mentioned the greedy six. So I'm sure that uh, still the talking point, isn't it? So we'll touch on it at some point. Obviously, we've played Man City tonight as well. Two one in the end, which on the face of it seems a decent result. <laughs> a loss is never a good result, but you expect to get battered when you play someone as good as Man City. But Villa aren't really ever in that game, are they? Really? Or am I well, the winning it after 20 seconds, mate. So yeah. I think- oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Regardless of the first 20 seconds where we were actually winning against all the odds, after that, Man City turned it on. Their passes were way more than ours. Possession was more up more than ours. And you just thought it's inevitable they'll win at some point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those. You know, I, I've seen us lose to Man City. Um, the last football match I actually saw in the flesh, I saw us lose yeah, to Man City. Um, and I was a lot more gutted on that. That evening that I am that I am now. That's not not, not to say that take take Villa defeats kind of lightly, but oh, they're so good, aren't they? Mm. You know, they they're just just so so good. And you know, I, I half joked when we we scored scored that goal after twenty seconds that uh, or twenty one seconds was it twenty one seconds? Because I think Kelly Fingy did a so solid crew joke at half time. Uh, really, I, I put I put twenty. I actually wrote down a couple of notes. I put twenty, so my notes are wrong already. <laughs> well, maybe she just made that up just to kind of crow. I mean, who would do that? Who would make things up to crowbar in terrible puns? I don't know. No. Um, but in terms of yeah, I was I, I joked that Villa were getting their consolation goal in early. Um, and it kind of proved to be that in the end because you know most most teams that that were, were going for going for the well say most teams going for the title there's not most teams who can go for the title but if you're going for the title and you concede after twenty twenty one seconds you're probably going to get a little bit nervous normally but Man City were like ah, don't worry about it <laughs> you know we, we, it just means that we've got kind of. 89 and a half minutes to swat you away. So yeah. didn't panic at all, did they? And just kind of just did what they needed to do. You know, I think the um I think the the frustrating thing from from my point of view was that particularly the second goal, which is ultimately the winning goal, um, didn't really have to work hard for it, did they? You know, yeah, the kind, kind of team who can cut you open at will, that can be really incisive, uh Drag your, drag your players all over the pitch till they find that space to, to inflict the killer blow. Didn't need to do that. It was a mistake, a rare mistake from, from Martinez leaving his line for a ball that he, he just didn't come to get. Uh, wasn't enough pace on it. And then Tyrone Mings as well. Ty- Tyrone Mings and Matty Target. Um, Rodgers managed to disappear between the two of 
them. You know, it means he's man, isn't it? Really, uh, he should be should be marking, should be a lot, it should be touch tight there, and and wasn't. And Man City have beaten you with a goal that a lot of Premier League teams are capable of, rather than a, a, a Man City goal. Now, the first goal was a Man City goal, wasn't it? Mm. It was, uh, you know, Foden. Foden is so. I don't want to just turn into a, a Phil Foden. Loving, but in the absence of Jack Grealish, we might as well praise that another <laughs> generational talent. Um, to leave him that much space, not once but twice, you know, first of all on the edge of the box to to really kind of get the move up and running, and then not to track not to track his run as he as he drifts into the box. It was brilliant. It was brilliant football from from Man City. So I don't want to dig out Villa too much over it, but. You know, you've got defensive midfielders in there with Louise and probably Nakamba perhaps should have been closer closer to Foden for the goal. Um, but they do that to you, don't they? They do that. Um, should we talk about Villa a little bit anyway? Do you want to, what what did on. you make of the what did you make of the of the opening goal? Or probably still, you know, back back in the olden days when we were still inside football matches, probably still been going for a wee or you know, finishing <laughs> off your pint or your pie, wouldn't you, when that, that went in? I think I'd just about parked my backside on the settee in time for it to happen. Um but I think I was expecting it even less than the Man City defence. Yeah, I'd um obviously I do all the social media updates for the Facebook page and I don't usually do like a old Villa underway at, at Villa Park when it kicks off because Bit of a pointless post. We all know the game's kicked off, but it's one of those ones that everyone, all the clubs, sort of posted. We're underway at Villa Park, and before you finish sending tweet on the first one, you've got to write out a goal update as well. Um, good little move, wasn't it? Quick free kick. Good thinking from Tyrone Mings. As soon as he like, jogs up to quickly take it, McGinn's darting straight forward, and good ball in from Watkins, and a, a nice finish. And yeah, you, you think, oh, brilliant! What what a start! Here we go. Maybe this is the. Uh, the, the day that Man City's run comes to an end, they flash something up of a winning sixteen away games in a row or whatever it is, and you think, well, that's gotta to come to a gotta to come to an end at some point. Maybe it's today. And like you said, Phil Foden Phil Foden gets the his magic boots on and he scores his goal and you think, oh, okay, here we go. Classic classic villa. We'll jump ahead a bit, but Matty Cash gets sent off for a, a second yellow and you think, oh, we've we've blown it now and there's a few comments in saying that he's an idiot or, or worse words than that. Um can you blame it all on Matty Cash getting sent off though? Were, were Villa going to get back into it? Ten versus eleven versus ten. Sorry. Before before we get to that, can you, you just reminded me of a real bugbear of mine? Underway. Why do people? Who else uh, outside of football journalists uses the phrase "underway" in any other context in life? Yeah. You know you don't you don't. What's your turn though? You don't. He's kicking off or about to start. You don't sit. You don't sit down for your for your lunch and think. Oh yeah, I've got my sandwiches and my crisps underway. Do you? <laughs> just it just annoys me. Oh, I just think, what, can you can you think of it? I don't know whether put, put, like a meeting. A better thing to do. Like this this meeting is now underway. Like this this government meeting is underway. Does that count? I don't know. I've never been to a government a government no, meeting. <laughs> um, what we're we talking about? Just on, no, on that on that goal after the game was was underway. It was. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Quick thinking from Villa. You know, mm-hmm. you, you might have expected them to just kind of, almost kind of. You know, they weren't going to see much of the ball to try and try and have that opportunity to kind of just get a get a foot. Oh, the game down. Didn't. Twenty seconds in. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, it was, you know, we dig out Tyron Mings for for the defensive laps, don't we? But that that's something that that Villa have clearly been encouraged to do. The way that Matty Target just had the ball dead, stopped the ball dead for him quickly, so that yeah. that, that Mings and it was a, it was a sweet a sweet little ball down the flank, to be honest. Um, you know, reminded me of uh, Steve Staunton's left peg in his prime, but um, it it wasn't to be. And fast forwarding 
you were talking about the, the Matty Cash situation. Um, should we go back and talk about the, the John Stones sending yeah. off? Really, because yeah, we're, it's we're a bit all over the place. Yeah, I wrote down the, like the main events of what's happened. I've got early goal, Foden's too good, easy Rodri goal, and then Stones red. So we'll jump about a little bit. We'll go to that Stones red. I saw someone say that he's Man City's Taro Mings, that he's a good little player, does a lot of good things, and then he'll do something stupid. I thought, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I suppose it's it's football in centre half, so isn't it? If you want, if you want your centre yeah. centre half to, mind you, having said that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to the, the the John Stones wasn't sending off wasn't as a result of him trying to be a footballing centre half like Beckenbauer, and the Toro Mings lapse for for the second goal wasn't a result of him overplaying either. But um, you know, I've just I've just dug out Kelly Cates for, for crowbar in a in a pun. Did you see my pun for um, John Stones um, sending off? Kicks and stones may break my bones, is it? It's all right. It's, that, isn't it? that it's, is, it's not bad, yeah. I was trying brilliant. to think of some kind of um, joke about Man City's like hopes of the European Super League being over quicker than Villa's opening goal, or like some kind of correlation about those two being very quick, but I couldn't couldn't work it out in my head. Well, I've got another one, but I don't know whether you're too young to get the reference because we've got what's gone on with it this week. Money talks, dirty cash. I want you, dirty cash. I need you. Are you familiar with that song? It rings a bell. Anyway, John Stone sending off. It was it was a definite. It was a definite. It was a definite sending off. Um, well, you say that, Sunny Jim. I don't know who they support. Says I don't think it was a red. But yeah, I was. Oh, I've changed my mind. Sorry, no, it was. It was <laughs> I thought it was. A, I thought it was a, a definite sending off. It was. It was reckless. It was needless. It was. It was. It was in that kind of area that is too high to be a yellow in terms of yeah. you know the, the part of the leg that, that that he went for. I don't think he went for the leg, but you know what I mean. Um, and <laughs> sorry, I do want to stick to the script tonight. I don't want to go 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 too nonsense too early. But do you think that referee Peter Banks looks a bit like Ronnie O'Sullivan? He does a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout. I couldn't. I thought you, you, you reminded me of somebody, and I couldn't quite picture it. And I thought, is it is he enough, Ronnie? To be, I don't know, I don't know. Only a little bit. Talk- <laughs> Only a little bit. Is it the nose? Is it the big nose? I've had I've had O'Sullivan shouts before because of the nose. It's got a big nose, hasn't he, O'Sullivan? I'm not sure what it was. He just he just reminded me a bit of Ronnie O'Sullivan. Anyway, um, speaking yeah, of so- actually, just while we're on the referee and all that, that was the, a good use of VAR. I mean, at the moment, VAR isn't the bad boy of football with the, the ESL stuff. Uh, all these acronyms, hard to keep track of. But that was a good use of it. He's given a yellow. We're looking at it thinking, oh, that was probably a red. They tell him, you need to look at that again. He goes over, watches it once or twice, and up- upgrades it to a yellow uh, or to a red. I like that in like the process of that, of how they've got to show it. They've got to get the yellow card out and go, like, no, no yellow. And then get the red out like this, like this little pantomime. I think that's weird. I can't just be normal and just go over and go, oh, it's a red card, mate. Here you go. Uh, so they got this little, this little script first. But that's VAR working how it should, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it helps. It helps that it was a decision that I say benefited us. It probably didn't benefit us that much in the end because we'll come come to it being levelled up in terms of numbers soon enough. But yeah, you're right. Uh, I always, I, I do like, I like the idea of the referee on the pitch still being the one who makes the ultimate call on things. Yeah. So, you know, I think we we've had this brought in this season, haven't we, where the ref has actually gone and been able to see see the replays that his colleagues in Stockley Park are seeing. Uh, 
I think yeah, I think it was an example where where the process worked and where I think the correct correct decision was made. Um, <laughs> it was quite amusing back then as well to see uh, to see Guardiola doing his nut as well and kind of aiming kind of fake kicks at, at nobody in particular. Uh, so that 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 did amuse me greatly, uh, but the smile was wiped off my face when I realised that uh, we weren't going to get anything out of the match anyway. So <laughs> you have the last laugh this time, Pep. There's a few people actually in the comments saying like, "Why is he going so mental, Guardiola?" And I said the same on Twitter. Um, Dean Smith gets banned for asking the ref whether he's got juggling balls for Christmas. In the that was in the opposite fixture, wasn't it? That was against Man Mansur. Then Pep Guardiola is allowed to run into the Villa dugout and start ranting off to whoever whoever was down there and having to go at the fourth official and stuff. And that was all alright, and he's allowed to get away with that. So that's annoying for a start. But also, when they as it happened in real time, they showed it on VAR, and you watch the loop over and over. As soon as Stones makes contact with him, you see Pep put his hands on his head, like he knows it was a bad tackle. And then after yeah. that, when it's given given as a red, he's ranting and raving as if it was never even a foul. So I know that's just football management and they're defending their side and their player and all the rest of it, but it makes him look an idiot. Yeah, it was... Um, I did actually think that that... that it's not, I'm not sure that I even then thought that Villa would go on to draw or even win, but I did think that that would at least stop us getting a 6-1 battering. Yeah. <laughs> um, like like last season at Villa Park. Was that last season? He feels like yeah, years ago. It does. Was it last season? He was, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, so um I actually thought at the start of the second half, I thought because Smith gets gets criticized a lot for, for not being proactive enough with his substitutions and waiting until it's too late and then making the same old, same old. I actually thought him bringing on another centre forward, knowing that Man City mm. were, uh, you know, a central defender down. I thought he was proactive and I thought he was trying to kind of force the issue a little bit and maybe it would have paid off over time. I don't think yeah. Ian Davis did, did particularly, you know, didn't have a Fulham-like impact anyway, which is the Ian Davis we've come to to, lo- to know and love and tolerate and be frustrated by, I suppose, that we know that he's a cat capable of bits of magic, but sustaining that over any period of time is difficult, which, to be fair to the lad, if you're not going to get a look in the, the 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 week after you have Sean, then it's hard to switch it back on and off. I think, um, but yeah. So I thought Smith was proactive with that first substitution, but then did they say it was 13 minutes? I think the comment the commentary said it was 13 minutes where Villa had that that man advantage before um, mm-hmm. before Cash goes and goes and evens it up again. I mean, what did? <laughs> I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be too harsh. I don't want to dig. I don't want to dig him out because he's been. He's been brilliant the way he's, he's stepped up, and I think he still is raw in Premier League terms, and he's still got a lot to learn. And if anybody's going to do you and tempt you into a a, a kind of a, a rash, a, a, a Matty rash uh, tackle, it's going to be. It's going to. It's going to be Phil Foden. So yeah. he was. He was stupid. He was naive. He should have done better. He probably, with that moment or with those two quick fire moments, he cost Villa's chances of getting anything out of the game. Am I convinced that Villa would have taken anything out of the game anyway? Not particularly. Um, and I hate it when I start asking myself questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to refer to yourself in the third person next. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think Villa get anything out of that game, even with the man advantage. We're rubbish with the man advantage traditionally, anyway. So I don't think that even makes much difference. And it's still against Man City, and I still feel like they were probably only in second gear for most of the game, anyway. Um, yeah, it was stupid. It's stupid to get sent off. And the the more annoying thing is that 
gives us a, a selection headache for West Brom, doesn't it? People saying play Kessler at right back rather than Elmo, but it's still neither of them are going to be as good as Matty Cash in a game that's probably going to be quite difficult. And we'll get on to Albion a little bit later, but that's no no Grealish again, obviously, and no cash for, for a Derby game. The Grealish thing's interesting, isn't it? It's almost as if this kind of European Super League is just some elaborate ruse to stop us all thinking about Jack Grealish. I think I think Dean Smith created it all, to be honest. I think he, he'd run out of ways of saying that Jack will be back in the next 10 days and thought, thought we'd uh, have this diversionary tactic instead. Um but yeah, it is, it's a frustrating, you know, you could probably, you probably expected us to lose tonight. The, the, the real kind of, um, collateral damage from that is the fact that, that, that we're going to be a, a, a very, a very good, strong player down on, on, I forgot when it's taking place, Sunday night, isn't it? Against mm-hmm. Albion. You know, I'd still like to think even with, with, with Albion's kind of ridiculous recovery. In recent, in recent weeks, in recent weeks, that I think we're, you know, we should even without Jack Grealish and Matty Cash, still have have enough to kind of beat beat Albion um, yeah. at Villa Park. But we will see. There's a question from Stephen, or more of a accusation. I don't know if that's the right word. He says, "Please can you have an honest discussion about the central midfield. We always dig out the wingers, but Louise and McGinn don't make the bench of any of the top six sides. That's a problem." Um, is that fair? Lewis and McGinn don't, don't get in any of the top six? We're aiming for the top six. Oh, no, we're not there, but we're top ten, so. Is he, is there don't that much of a of those sides. They don't, start, I don't think they start for a Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, or whoever, whatever the top six is these days, Leicester, West Ham. I don't think McGinn and Lewis start for any of those. I think they're good enough top six squad players, though. I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't, it's a really, really weird thing to look at them in that context, isn't it? Are they good enough to start for Aston Villa? Is the is the question rather than are they yeah. good enough to be on the bench of the greedy six? Um, not that I've in got that, an agenda against those clubs. Yeah, um, in that sense, yes, they are good enough to play for Villa because there isn't any other options. I think in the summer, though, that you'd definitely be looking at improving that midfield and probably two of that three. Louise McGinn and the other being Barkley or whoever it is, two of that three probably won't be starting next season. We've said this all along, haven't we, about kind of the evolution of Aston Villa's squad and how how starters last season become, you know, some of them become bench players this season and starters this season, some of them become bench players next season. Um, no, I think it's been it's been a disappointing season for McGinn. On, a, mm. on the whole, if I'm if I'm really honest, I think um, I think Douglas Louise. We really expected him to kind of kick on and maintain or improve and improve the form that that he showed to kind of help rescue Villa towards the back end of last season. So, you know, I wouldn't again. I, I don't like to be in the business of, of, of writing players off too soon. You know, both of those players are what now eighteen months into their Premier League careers, yeah. really. And have shown at times, maybe not consistently enough, but have shown at times that they, that they can compete and they do belong on this stage. So it comes down to to what what we've said before: it's the competitions, it's having the competition there, isn't it? You know, the Morgan Sanson hasn't hasn't been able to come in and make that impact that we we hoped he would uh, to either make himself a regular starter in the team or to lift the levels. Uh, and at the moment. Who who are they being placed under under pressure by? They've been placed under pressure by a kind of teenage kid, 
yeah. um, who again he's what a dozen games into his Premier League career. So I don't think they I don't think they've been consistent enough. Uh, either of those players that, that, that we're talking about, um, McGinn or, or, or Louise, but I don't think you know. I think where Villa are on their journey, I don't. I don't think you write players off as as quickly as that. Do you think they're playing in their best positions? Those two. What midfield? <laughs> well, in, in their roles in midfield. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, McGinn's a really, a really interesting kind of complex puzzle for me. Because is he though? You know, he's... he plays further forward for Scotland and scores goals and contributes. And then he plays deeper for Villa, and we think, oh, he's not the same player. But I don't know. He, he... What what do we think McGinn's greatest asset is? His tenacity, his engine, his, his energy. I mean, to me, to me, I don't think he's had quite the energy. That I mean, I'm not privy to his kind of running stats and distance he's covered, but I don't think he's had the kind of zip that he's had previously and whether that's a result of the injury that he, um, that he suffered whatever year it was, <laughs> um, Christmas time, 2019 potentially. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I know that's a crap answer, but I, <laughs> I'm not sure what it is that, that that's missing from him at the moment. Do you remember, it doesn't seem long ago that McGinn were talking about he's getting linked to Man United. And we're all saying 50, 60 million for John McGinn. And oh, what, what a great player he is. And the step up, he, he, you know, the step up from the Championship to the Premier League, he still looks like he can do it in this league. And now a year later, he's written off to not even be good enough for Villa in 10th or 11th or wherever we are. Like, it seems weird to think of a John, uh, an Aston Villa without John McGinn because he's came through in this kind of Dean Smith resurgence and, and been so integral to it. But I guess that's just players out of form that don't, don't deserve to be in the squad, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if memory serves me correctly, and I'm going back a while, but John McGinn was one of the better, best Aston Villa players, wasn't he, in the opening weeks of of last season? Um, You know, I think he then began to fade even before the injury came along. But, um, you know, Mings, McGinn, and Grealish were our best three players, weren't they, last season? I think. I mean, last is weird, isn't it? We always say, you know, don't go back in back in time and stuff because what's the point comparing to last season? But I don't. I, it's weird to see the drop off with McGinn. That one minute, like I say, where he's the the next coming of whoever, and he's worth however much, and the big clubs want him, and then a year later, he's he's not even good enough for Villa anymore. But if that's just the way it is to progress as a squad, and that John McGinn is the one to be replaced in the summer, then so be it, I guess. But I don't yeah, know. But, I still think he's equally, got a point. Equally, Dan, if, if he can go from, in the space of 12 months, if he can go from being linked with a £60 million or whatever it was, moved to, to Manchester United, who's to say he can't go, he can't swing back the other way? Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a, a dedicated, devoted young player. You know, he's, we, we've shown, he's shown how hungry he can be and, you know, how much he wants to succeed. Who's to say he can't kind of find his form? You know, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it's a positional change. Maybe if he plays further up, further up the pitch with more freedom, then he, he, he perhaps could 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 do that. But you know, I think he's probably had a little bit more license to do that recently than than he he had done previously. Anyway, since Jack's been out the team and, and Villa haven't yeah. really got going as a forward cohesive unit. But um, yeah, he's an interesting one. I, I, I certainly I certainly wouldn't give up on. 
on on John McGinn. I'm, I'm perhaps perhaps think a bit too finally finally of him because I, I, I I'm quite a big fan of his Twitter game, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I admit that we, we want our footballers to, to perform on the pitch rather than on social media. He's definitely better when he's further forward, and he's definitely better when Jack Grealish is in the side, which goes you know, goes without saying. Even though I've said it, when we're assessing that midfield though and why it's not working, I don't think John McGinn is the number one priority of problems that need to be fixed. If you're ranking the midfielders, who's the best? Take Jack Grealish out of the equation. Who's Villa's second best midfielder? Depends, doesn't it? Depends what week you want, want to ask me. You know, yeah, we had a and that's the problem. We had a, we had a while when we were saying, well, "Why is why is marvellous Nakamba not not in the team?" You know, he, he's coming. He's he played well when he started here and there, here and there. Why is he not in the team? You know, then he comes in the team or gets a couple of games in the team and then just just fades again. It's uh, it, it's almost as if you know we used to say it was kind of kind of Harrahan syndrome, didn't you? Didn't we? Yeah. When first game back, people did he used to do well and then faded a little bit. That seems to be a curse that's catching this season. That that none of those none of those midfielders can can string a, a concerted run of form together. Talk about Ross Barkley very quickly. That was a weird sub, wasn't it? You know, uh, do you remember probably what six weeks, two months ago, when Ross Barkley was throwing hissy fits because he was being taken off twenty minutes from the end of games, and now there's not even an eyebrow raised when he can't get in the, the team. You know, ahead of Marvelous Nakamba, ahead of um, ahead of Jacob Ramsey, and you know how how the mighty have fallen. And I just think I think the guy is just bereft. Of confidence now, yeah. um, I think you know it's almost the, the purpose of this move from Ross Parker's point of view. So I think, although we're talk, talking him up massively, you know, on the back of the, the Liverpool game and the Arsenal game earlier in the season, the purpose of that move was for him to restore confidence, I think, and and, and restore some value from, from from Chelsea's point of view. You know, I bet they wish they could have got Villa to, to make a make a deal permanent back in. You know, September or whatever, or whenever it was, because you know he, he he's probably his stock has probably fallen now to to where it was when he was a kind of an out not an outcast but a, a fringe player at Chelsea, really. So I don't know. We 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 don't expect, do we? We used to expect when, when Barkley was around. We don't expect, and he doesn't disappoint us in that sense because <laughs> he doesn't deliver. Let's just quickly, I mean, what is it, Wednesday, something of April, I'm not looking about the transfer window opening yet, we're still a couple of months away and seven or eight games, whatever it is left for the season. What what do Villa need to do? How big does the window need to be to to make that step? We're not going to get into Europe this year unless six clubs are deducted points or whatever, which we'll come on to briefly at the end, which is not going to happen. So Villa aren't going to make it into Europe this year, barring a miracle. So what do they need to do next year to bridge that gap? I think it's it's similar to what they did last summer, really. I thought that a sign of Villa progressing would be... Bring, you know, how did we bring in six, six, six last summer, I think, six or seven? I I hope that we wouldn't need to to have that, that amount of, of, of new players. Um, but I think we might have to. To be honest, because I think we we're going to need more central forward options. We're going to need one winger, possibly two. We're going to need. Uh, I still think we need a another central defender. 
if I'm being honest. So to you know to to make sure that, that there's, there is pressure on on the places of Concer and Mings. <sighs> you know, I mean, I, I mean, how many how many have I talked there? I've talked about four or five four oh, or five players there. You know, we probably are going to need more more reinforcements in in the fullback areas because Neil Taylor and um and Elmo who have been the kind of go-to guys um for a variety of managers um are, are not going to be at the club any any longer beyond the summer so it probably is going to be that which again it's if Villa are spending the same kind of sum if you're spending it on three players you can really raise the quality if you're spending it on six players do you know what I mean you can only kind of make those kind of incremental improvements really yeah um, so i've been interested in, i don't know what what people are saying in the comments i don't know i don't know how much surgery um our fellow fans think think that we need most people agree kind of five or six players is what we need them that it's improving the first 11 is the is the target rather than just building a bigger squad Leighton says would you would you do sell a plat to build a team I assume he means selling somebody like like a Jack Grealish for big money and reinvesting that money straight back into the squad. First of all, do we even need to do that financially? Or can the owners just go, oh, here's 100 million and we do what we want? And secondly, is that something you'd consider selling a big name to raise extra funds? I don't know, really. I mean, you'd, I, I, I'd do absolutely everything that we could. Who, who, who would you really sell that's going to give you that extra amount of funds? I mean, what do we think that... Jack Grealish is off limits. I don't want to sell him. I want mm-hmm. to kind of, I, w- I want to preserve him. I want to kind of stick him in a stick him in a glass cabinet um, and be, be on pro- be on display. If he's not going to play, we might as well stick him in there. Be on display <laughs> at Villa Park forever more. To be honest, so I wouldn't sack. I wouldn't sell Jack Grealish to, to finance anything. Agreed. Um, so, so let's say oh, let's give you a scenario then. Let's say Liverpool come in for Esri Conter and say seventy five million, which is I think he's. I don't think he's worth that amount, but let's say we need a, a centre back. It's seventy five million. Do you sell Ezra Concer for seventy five million to help build a squad, or do you think Ezra Concer is integral to Villa's squad? We've got enough money that we can turn that down. It's really interesting that because the the old fashioned me, which is all of me, thinks <clears throat> bloody hell seventy five million quid for a centre half. Yeah, definitely we'd <laughs> we'd do that. But you had to pick the other one, didn't you? You had to pick the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you pick somebody else? Like I do think Ezri Konza is integral to what we want to do, so I wouldn't know. I'd stick him in this cabinet with Jack. Uh, uh, next um, one, Emmy Martinez. He was linked to Man United in some newspaper somewhere. Can't you pick, can't, can't you pick, can't you pick some of the crap ones? Well, they're not going to raise the funds, are they? This is the point. <laughs> Man United say here's here's eighty million for uh, for Emmy Martinez. We need to replace De Gea. What do you do then? He's on course to break. Well, he probably won't break Friedel's uh, clean sheet record the way the, the rest of the second half of the season's gone. But again, another one. So, so your goalkeeper. He's only been here a season. Massive profit. Use that 60 million, 70 million to, to push on to the top four. Sounds good, doesn't it? No, I don't, I don't like the theory of this at all. I'd rather <laughs> keep, 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 yeah, get lost late. And I don't want to do, I don't want to do a plat and rebuild the team. I want to, I want to keep, I want to keep our, our best players. You know, it's, it's kind of same. <sighs> it's two steps back to take one step forward, isn't it? Because selling Martin, or whatever the phrase is, selling Martin is, you're going to have to replace him first. If you're going to attract a goalkeeper of that quality, that's going to take up a large percentage of your budget anyway. So you're having to replace people that you've sold to help build a squad and then you're not making any progress. So, 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 you need to so keep what you've got first and add to it, not take some away. 
It's like saying I'm gonna I'm gonna sell my car so I can buy a caravan. Oh God, what am I, how am I gonna get? How am I gonna move that caravan? Do you know what I mean? You're creating problems for yourself further down the line, aren't you? So yeah, um, yeah. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> in answer yeah. to your question later, Maybe rubbish question later. Um, well, that was a talking point. So, but I th- think the thing that probably outweighs that is the FFP things changing. I think, and our owners are loaded, so Villa don't need to sell. So we can even keep the squad and invest. Is the perfect scenario, isn't it? Christ knows what the what the the rules around football are going to look like um, by the start of next season. Probably exactly the bloody same, to be honest, aren't they? Because uh, we're probably going to miss a trick to to revolutionise and, and and reframe football the way that we should. Um, but what was the question, Dan? Uh, I, 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 what, what did you say? I've lost track. I'm, I'm a senior saying, Let's just let's talk about the European Super League then, because you and Ash did the podcast on Monday, and it was all doom and gloom like so the day it happened was Sunday wasn't it when it was first announced late I know you've already talked about this so people that watched the last podcast you're going to repeat yourself but I haven't had a chance to talk about it so we'll just quick recap before we get out of this this podcast I went to bed at like 11ish I think on Sunday and it was all nothing and I woke up and I'm seeing tweets of like this club's done this this statement's coming out blah 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 like football as we know it is changing forever and I was scrolling through it and I was like Am I like in a weird dream? Like, have I have I woken up and eaten cheese or something last night? Like, it doesn't. It didn't seem real. It was very surreal. The whole thing that football could change in such a manner, it's like oh, literally overnight, that a couple of clubs can pick up their ball and go somewhere else and say, "Oh, we're not playing with you anymore. We're going to do our own thing." That's mental. That that's allowed to happen for for a start. I know it's not been allowed to happen, but you and Ash talked about it Monday. And what are the repercussions of the the greedy six or what, whatever word you want to call them? Then they're they all start to pull out one by one and say, oh, actually, we, we're sorry about that. We didn't quite think we'd get the reaction that we did. Sorry, oops, our bad. Back back to how it all was. Let's pretend that never happened. That also can't be allowed to stand, can it? Because surely clubs can't just pick up and say, oh, we don't want to be with you anymore and leave. That has to be punished to stop them from doing it again. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it's from, from the GCSE project kind of design work and logo. Uh, that they've come up with to to the actual yeah. kind of sh- shameless shameless climb downs and it's I actually I actually found it hilarious last night some some of the ways that the, I mean the Chelsea one made me laugh when they said um, what was it oh we we only joined this late last week so that's why we we didn't have a chance to think it through oh yeah, yeah rubbish you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think it through would you you know well, why why would you yeah. Ridiculous. Let's just and join this like like a holiday. Oh yeah, let's just, just pop over. But there's some there's something more to this. This well, it's sinister enough, but there's something more to this because that backlash hasn't come as any any kind of surprise. You yeah. know, as much as I, I do think the kind of the, the the fans' revolt has been really important, and I think a few people have said that it's it's united a kind of a broken country more than any topic, <laughs> yeah. you know, over the last three or four years. Um, but <sighs> there's more to it than that. These people don't become, well, some of them do, some of them, in, you know, it's kind of inherit millions through, through family connections, but they don't become billionaires by being that naive and stupid. So what's the real reason? What's mm. the real reason for this, this climb down? I'd like to think that it's, it's the government's stance. It's the kind of it's their rival stance with the fourteen clubs who have come out and spoken and, and collectively spoken very strongly about it. I'd like to think that 
that UEFA, the Premier League, um, FIFA, the FA have flexed their muscles a little bit. I don't know. They haven't before. So why now? But there's something more than just bad PR. There must be. The bit I don't understand about it is that, so you've got Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Tottenham, First of all, I know we've all, I know this is old ground. It was only a few days ago. Tottenham being a, a leading European giant or whatever the phrases were for all these clubs. Give me a, do me a favour. And somebody else, I can't even remember. Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. Yeah, there's six from, from England. How, how do they even get to the point of bypassing the Premier League? I, I can't think of an analogy and you might be able to think of one better than me, but that, the Premier League, own, they don't own those clubs, but they're part of the Premier League. So how would they get to bypass them and say, oh no, we're going to go somewhere else? Surely it's, do you know what I mean? Is that like me booking a holiday off work past you, like bypassing your boss? Surely the Premier League make the decision of what those clubs have to get up to. You can't go around them and say, oh, we're going to do our own thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, again, this, you forgive me for a really, really crap forced analogy, but it's like, you know what, you know, you know, on the chase, you know, the chases. <laughs> yeah. It's like them saying, listen, we're not going to commit to a show every night anymore, but we'll pop in, we'll pop in, you know, once a month or, or a couple of times a month, but we, we're running a pub quiz down the road now and we're getting paid more and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to um, live stream that on Facebook live. Doing that, you're thinking, well, hang on. And you got your commitments over here, <laughs> you know. And it's it's ridiculous. You made me laugh the other day, which is a rare occurrence. With uh, I think you were saying like, like the Zoom meetings that are run by Jackie Weaver. Oh, um, yeah. These these kind of big big meetings, but they're just just the just the the absolute kind of shameless stance of all of them. You know, it's. It's, it's arrogance, it's, isn't it? But then that's the problem. It's hilarious. It's hilarious seeing them drag through the mud, but it's not enough. In no. no way is it enough enough of a punishment. Do you uh, again? I've, I know you and Ash have spoken about this, and I've, I've not listened to it all. Are you? How do you feel about? We'll talk about Villa in a second. I don't want this to go on for too long. But how do you feel about the fans of the other clubs? Because it seems like all the fans were against it. Because if this was Villa doing it, and Villa were one of the six, some people have said, like, our, our owners would never, and Cushion Perzo spoke well about it. I'm sure if Villa were offered it, and Villa were in this position, I think they'd do it. I think any owner who's in it for money. Now, our owners aren't in it for money, but they're businessmen. It's a big money-making opportunity. I think every club offered this situation takes it, apart from Bayern Munich. <laughs> they seem to be the exception. But traditionally, I think every club takes it because it's a massive money-making thing. It puts your name and your brand out there. I think everyone takes it. So I'm not going to sit on my high horse and go, oh, Villa are better than everyone, because I think if Villa were in that position, they'd do it as well. They'd get out of the way first. But if it was Villa, and we're Villa fans and a Villa podcast, I'd be embarrassed if Villa were a part of that. So I hope that Liverpool, Man United, etc., and all their fans are all the same. But how do you come back from that? If this was Villa and our owners and the current players and they're all for it, I'd think, oh, I don't want, I don't want to be associated with Villa anymore. It feels slimy, it feels dirty. I don't want to be part of that. I'd like to think that Villa wouldn't. I think that, but, but perhaps, perhaps I'm being naive. I mean, I've done a U-turn um, probably as quickly as the um, as the greedy six in my in my stance because I think I tweeted last, late last night that. There should be sanctions and there should be punishment 
but I'm a bit concerned. I think I put something like, you know, should cause um, maximum pain or discomfort to the owners, but minimum pain to fans who are blameless. And people have rightly come back to me and said, well, how often have we seen clubs clubs punished for, you know, flouting spending rules, clubs going yeah. into administration, clubs going out of business? Those fans have been innocent. You know, what's the difference? What's yeah. the difference? Why should why should the 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 six clubs be uh, and the fan bases of those clubs? Why should they 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 have any special treatment? And I think that's fair. I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair on those fans on those um, those legacy fans that they're being called. I don't think it's it, it's it's fair on the uh, on the kind of match going kind of proper kind of. Uh, I don't want to lay it on too thick, but you know what I'm saying. I don't think yeah. it's fair on them. But equally, I don't think the status of being these big big superpowers of English football should protect them should protect them from that either. Um So what what do you and, think the punishment will be? Or should be? I think that's two very different things as well. I think it's gotta be something that to me to me it's twofold. I think there needs to be a punishment that is significant and substantial enough to say, listen, we've seen Project Big Picture and we've gone and chased that out and seen that off. We've seen European Super League and we've chased that off don't you dare don't you dare come up with a third plan because it's it's not happening so what what kind of punishment is going to be severe enough it's going to have to be a point a points deduction which affects their chances of getting on the Champions League gravy train um you know for this season or next future in future seasons I think I'd do it I don't know I don't know um and it's, it's going to be. I mean, what 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 sanctions have you got open to you? You've got financial penalty. You you've got points deductions, and you've got got transfer embargoes. Hmm. You know, I, I'm I'm in such a mood about it. I'd try I'd impose I'd impose all three, but I've got to be careful yeah. of not coming at this from a selfish Villa fans' point of view because the more that you hinder and hamper those those six, although they deserve it, I know that that Villa are one of the beneficiaries. Who get to kind of, do you know what I mean? So I don't know how much top six gaps. How much of this is my pure, pure kind of wanting to do right by football? How much of this is me being a scheming Villa fan, thinking how can we? I suppose you, I suppose you flip that viewpoint by if this was Villa, what punishment would you wouldn't be happy with any punishment? If this was Villa, and they were saying, "Oh, you're going to get twenty points deducted next season," you wouldn't be happy with that. But what level of punishment would you accept as a fan to go? Our owners messed up here. We're going to have to deal with that. I actually think, Dan, I think there needs to be a substantial enough punishment that the fan base, and the fan bases won't forget this, but they do their best to chase these people out of their clubs. Mm. And I think if nothing happens and the status quo is maintained, yes, there's going to be hostility and it won't be forgotten and these people are going to have a stain on their names, but will life be made uncomfortable enough for them to to be removed from from the football club. Listen, I'm not saying that even if you try and chase an owner out of the club, it, it naturally happens anyway. You know, Newcastle fans have been protesting about against Mike Ashley for about five, four or five years now, and until until there's a, a buyer who's who's willing to come along uh, and, and and invest and, and and pay that money for a club, it's not going to happen readily anyway. But yeah. I just think, to me, it, as as important as the punishments 
and probably even more important than the punishments, and I've said this again the other day, so I don't want to repeat it too much, is to get a independent kind of governing body that can that can be strong enough to stand up against this. Um, but isn't that supposed to you know be the I mean? Premier League, though? The league but, Premier the clubs that, but the clubs run it themselves, don't they? They run it like a cartel themselves. So yeah, oh, yeah. there's going to be a level of self-interest in there. Anyway, yeah. I've had enough of all that. <laughs> it, it is deep, isn't it? It just, I don't know, it feels like, I know you said on Twitter the other day about this needing to be like a moment to reform football and, and change the way things are done. And I don't see that happening either. Because <laughs> you see things like transfer bans done before. Like Chelsea had a transfer ban, didn't they, for two or three windows, whatever it was. And I think when Lampard was there, and it's like, it doesn't really affect them, does it? I don't think a transfer ban is enough because they've got such big squads anyway. They just pull back 20 players that are on loan in Germany or whatever. I don't think transfer bans are important. I don't think fines are that big because they've got so much money. So, oh, here's you trying to chase more money. We're going to fine you 50 million. Okay. We'll drop that. We'll drop more than that on goalkeepers that don't even play. Do you know what I mean? I don't think financial financial fines are worth it either. I think it has to be something like a points deduction. If that's for this season, for most of them, it probably won't even be worth it because it won't affect their position anyway. It's like ten points off Man City, they'll still win the league. So I don't know what I don't know what enough of a of a uh, punishment would be to make it worth it. Because surely the more you punish for them, the more risks they've you've got then of them saying, "Well, we don't want to be punished, so we are going to leave." And then you're back at square one. Then I like Weird, some, somebody suggested. Somebody suggested on Twitter earlier that the Premier League should carry on as it is, but the 14 teams are immune from relegation. Relegation <laughs> has to be fought, fought out amongst those six. <laughs> it amused me greatly. Um, but yeah, it's been um, it's been ridiculous. Like you said, it's been so surreal. Uh, and I just hope the scorn and the shame and the humiliation is just the start of the mm. of the of the, the the punishment of those owners. Um, I think I, I was I was going to say I don't think they'll be that bothered, but you see someone like Ed Woodward at Man United who's been there through loads of rubbish over the last ten years. All of a sudden, it's this that's made him have to step out of the, the firing line at the end of the season or whenever it is. So maybe it will make a difference, but you're still going to have clubs spending massive amounts of money. You're still going to have massive wage caps. I don't think this is the moment we look back on and go, "Oh, that was the day that football changed for the better and things are all all, all rosy now." Because I don't think things will change. I, I don't even think that the clubs will be punished for it. I think the, the Premier League or whoever's involved in, in doing that kind of thing will be too scared to do it. Like there's talk about oh if Man United leave and they all leave, it'll be that when if they if they leave and they're kicked out of the Premier League, they'll have to come back in the fifth tier or whatever. They're not gonna put Man United and Liverpool and Man City down in the national league, are they? Like, it's just things that it's just empty threats that will never happen and we'll never see. So they'll get away with it and give it a couple of years and they'll be going, right, well, we don't get enough money from X competition we're going to go and do this instead. And then it'll all be blown over. Here's a new deal for you. Here's a new, another billion pounds and rinse and repeat. I just hope that it's it's a time for kind of fan activity, really. Um, and that fan bases can, can work together collectively. Mm. And maybe, maybe I'm being naive about that. Maybe it, it'll kind of be a storm in a teacup and it'll, it'll readjust to, to what it was. Uh, but I think it'd be a massively missed opportunity if we if we let this this pass without using it to bring about positive change. But hey ho, we'll see. yeah. But people in the comments saying they've done it to Rangers, they've done it to AC Milan in Italy, which yeah, that's fair enough. It just doesn't seem like it's something that Man United, Liverpool, they just bring in so much money and so much, so many, 
so many viewers across the world, they're not going to just dump them down to League Two for the sake of joining a, a league that didn't even really exist and then pulling out of it two days later. It'll be a They'll probably get bunged, you know, 500 million quid for a Netflix documentary anyway, yeah. wouldn't they? You yeah. know, or, or Sky and, and, you know, BT Sports and Amazon and um, the AZN and would all be competing to, to for rights for, for League Two, wouldn't they? <laughs> Yeah. You know I, mean? so, so, I don't think this is a cycle that we ever break out from and we're going to be here all day trying to work out how you punish these guys I'm just glad that Villa were never involved in this but uh, people disagreed in the comments I still think if this if somebody somebody commented on the podcast you did saying if this was 10 years ago and Villa were in and around that top 6 when O'Neill was here and we were offered this chance to get into that when Randy Lerner was still there would Villa have taken it then? I still think Villa take it as good as our owners have been they're, still, they're billionaires for a reason I think any billionaire think, offered the chance under, to make under more. Andy Lerner, who, yeah. who I gave think every away, football club owner. gave away, gave away the, the front of the shirts to charity. You think he'd be that money hungry? Yeah, they're billionaires, millionaires for a reason. They make money. If someone comes to you as much money as you've got, and they say oh, we can give you another two hundred million per year here, you have to do nothing. Who's going to say no to that? Hypothetical, mate. Oh, my voice yeah, went yeah. Voice went it is. As we wrap up, I see what the comments say. I think every football club offered the position to go off into this league, regardless of what the ramifications are, and there's no punishment anyway. Here, we're going to give you the owner. Forget the manager and the players. Here's some money for doing nothing. Join our league. You get to play around with it every week. I think everyone says yes to that, regardless of how much I love the Villa owners and everything seems to be rosy at the moment. They're billionaires. I think everyone takes it. Someone says learner maybe, Dr. Jar, yes, the current owners, no way. I, I don't know. I disagree. We'll never see it happen. We're never going to be in that position, but I still think any any owners takes it. Um, we asked on Twitter for people to reply with a GIF, and this is going to be a pointless segment for the podcast. We're not going to be able to show the GIFs anyway. <laughs> but we said, if you've, uh, what, how do you sum up this Super League nonsense with a GIF? And we'll give away a mug to the best one, and you've picked a winner. So do you want to? Uh, yeah, that's share the that? mug. You don't have to drink. Um, no sugar Vimto out of it like me. Um, yeah, we said we'd, pick, we'd give away the best one to the winner. I couldn't settle it, so I'm going to go for the best three, but they're going to have right. equal place on the podium. Um, can, you, can you show them on here or not? Oh, hang on a Yeah, kind of, but you can waffle for a bit if you want. <laughs> the ones that I like best, there was, there was a really good selection. We had about 400 replies, and I'm a big fan of... Of the kind of Father Ted one, kind of um, down with this sort of thing. Careful now. I did, I did, I did enjoy that one. I'm a big fan of the kind of the Simpsons ones when when Grandpa Simpson goes in and out. Uh, yeah, the big the big U-turn. I, I like that kind of thing, and I do like the kind of David Brent ones as well. Um, but there were three, there were three that nailed it for me. There was one that okay, was, I, can, so I can show them, but I don't know which is which. So I'm going to pick Lee Johns we'll put, first. Put it on first. <laughs> okay, hang on. Does this work? Uh, what tower am I in? Can you see that? Hang on. There we go. Oh, it's so I small. did like the, uh, <laughs> I did like the, uh, the Wellston Raider one. Uh, I thought it kind of nailed the fact kind of, you've got no fan support for this whatsoever. Um, so that was, that, that was one of them. So Lee John, um, we'll, we'll obviously share this on Twitter as well and we'll get in touch with people and, and get, get me some, the good thing about it is I can get, dig out some bubble wrap. I do like popping bubbles on bubble wrap. So I'll, I'll get the, get the mugs wrapped up. Um, yeah, go on. The next one was, I like this one because 
think, I'm probably thinking too deeply about this, but it just showed how quickly the bad guy, the bad guy being someone in a werewolf mask, was is it a werewolf mask? I think it is, isn't it? Was kind of put back in his box or back in his bin. Uh, so I like that one. That amused me quite quickly. And this other one was just its kind of simplicity, wasn't it? Is this the this is the piece of cake one, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Hold on. Uh, there you go. I just that thought that summed up how sly, how sly the greedy six or the greedy fifteen have been about it. Really, is that you not know? like a have a cake and eat it thing as well? Yeah, it is. It is. I just thought it was. Uh, so that's from that's from Villa Jane as well. So uh, yeah, I've got a box of these these clout and blue mugs. So I'll, I'll ping ping three out. Um, oh. Yeah, you can have one, mate. Yeah, yeah. Your gift was quite good anyway, wasn't it? Was it was it some kind? Of, it was Jack Greedy saying it's the greatest shut, one, the, yeah. shut the f yeah, up, sh- wasn't it? Shut the front door. Uh, I don't know um, what game that was from. I love that gift though. Yeah, mine was good. Maybe we should have picked the one that had the most likes. That's how we should have done it. Just mate, I missed half it. the second half of the game just wading through wading through those gifts. So that decision is final. Those three people, whether they like it or not, will be getting a mug <laughs> uh, winging its way to, through the front door. Uh, not through the front door. <laughs> Um, shut the front door. Now, no, I, I wanted to. I wanted to um, just. I, I especially prepared this bit right at the end. <sighs> um, it's quarter past eleven. I was, cut, I was cutting up some pizza for my daughter earlier today with one of those little roly pizza cutters. You know the little wheels. Yeah. yeah. And I asked on Twitter. Listen, it didn't really bang on Twitter, so I'm probably not going to get not going to get much response on here. But why? A, does anybody else, does anybody use those things to cut anything else other than pizza? And B, what's so special about pizza that it gets its own utensil? Why can't you use a knife? I think you can use it for cutting fresh spaghetti. Can you? <sighs> Don't know. That feels like a thing that would, it would be a successful tool for cutting up fresh pasta if you're making pasta sheets. So also what? Italian like a pizza. What I've got here is somebody says they're quite good for cutting toast if you want to do soldiers. <laughs> you could cut uh, the crust off. Someone says they're brilliant at slicing courgettes and cucumber. Mm. Good for cheese toasties. Um, Anyone for fresh pasta? Or No, but so, somebody says I've used it to cut up fish fingers and a sausage roll. <laughs> uh, well, and this uh, is- certainly you can cut up whatever you want with it. There's no rules here. No, I just wondered if anybody did use them for anything else, but I, I can't kind of quite like this is from Halle Borange Overdose, who said quiche, but that's just posh pastry pizza, really. I thought, <laughs> that, thought, thought that was quite a good description of quiche. So that's all I've got. Anyway, I'm done. Just a quick <laughs> offspring of that. Not the right word. Um, do you ever cut up food with scissors? Somebody replied, actually. Um, that they do use, they use scissors for pizza. Uh, mm. I cut, um, I sometimes cut up ham. If I'm putting ham in with some pasta, I'll cut up ham with it. And I will sometimes cut up bacon for the same purposes. Um, Why don't you just use an Arthur? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, one, one more thing. Well, I know it's Go getting on. late. One more thing. Sweet potato fries, disgust. Because I, I used to think that I like Disgust. <laughs> Disgust or disgusting. <laughs> I used to think that I like them. I had them tonight. I don't like them anymore. What's the point? Were they, just have normal... were they homemade ones or like from a 
frozen packet or oh they're probably frozen now in our house to be honest but even if even if even if i went to a pub now and got them with a burger or whatever i don't think i'd like them what, what what's your thought so i think in a pub or restaurant proper ones like crunchy big chunky sweet potato fries i would say yes to those but i've had homemade ones before and it's just like you know when you like um do carrot sticks you know yeah. like sticks it's like if you do a sweet potato like that and they're just like hard and dry and they're horrible if you do homemade ones. In a restaurant, I think that'd be okay. That's my maybe, it's that, then. maybe it's that because I've not, I've not had them in a restaurant for ages. Maybe it's the fact that I've had them homemade, homemade that, that's put me off them. But if you're going to have like, chips, just have proper chips. Why have sweet potatoes? Well, that's, this is what I'm asking. Do they offer oh, anything? sweet potatoes at oh. all. Yeah, forget it then. Yeah, just go normal chips. I know they're healthier, yeah. but if they're deep fried anyway, just have normal chips. The difference between a sweet potato and a white potato is negligible. How do they cut them up? Do you know? <laughs> um, I think there's probably some like wheelie thing, disc that cut a thing that would be great for it. Um, let's get out of here. I can't believe there's still so many people watching now as there was in the engaging Super League chat of 20 minutes ago. And uh, someone did just tune in, and I think it was their first comment so far saying, "God, you like talk some waffle or something like that." I can't. No, it's not waffle. No, we're not not waffles. <laughs> we potato fries. <laughs> I do like waffles. Also, just quickly on waffles, you got potato waffles. You know the sweet waffles, though. Have you ever had one of those from like a uh, like a dessert takeaway shop? Oh, like kind of an American stuff. waffle with syrup and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've had them for breakfast and we went up into the states. Yeah, oh, nice. We had one um, a couple of weeks ago from a place down in Kidderminster that do them, and it was covered in like chocolate sauce and like fruit, and oh, so good. I felt like a fat pig afterwards, but <laughs> it was good for the ten minutes or so it lasted. <laughs> I'm not a fan of bird's eye potato waffles, though. I'd rather have a hash brown or, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a bit American, isn't it, a potato waffle? Although they're probably English thinking about it. Yeah, all right. Turn off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Can't Brew podcast. Absolute nonsense and waffle, as always. A uh, good bit of football chat for the first 20 minutes and then descending into madness, like always. We're approaching an, almost an hour on post-match chat, which never usually happens. We always say before we start on these, I'll oh, keep it about half an hour, shall we? And, we ended up waffling for so long that the last 10 minutes has been taken up by a food talk. Just quickly on pizzas before you go. I think we've done this before. What's your topping for a pizza? You've what? said, I've said it before. I've said, I've said I like Hawaiian and you, 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 you've disowned me. So Yeah, forget it. So yeah, no, no way pineapple on pizza. Thanks everyone who tuned in and talked all about uh, Man City, European Super League, Aston Villa and chips. <laughs> we do appreciate your time. Thanks for sticking with us for the last hour. Thanks Matt for joining me. We'll be back on Sunday. Maybe James Rushton around as well for the Albion game. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been good fun. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks, Matt. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.